Someone said we ought to build a bigger building. We're working on it. We're working on it. Really hard working on it. Oh, wow. I don't know if you grew up finding Easter eggs, but I did. We had a bunch of kids out here, found some Easter eggs. We'll have some more if if you got kids. Uh, We're having another one right after the service. When I get done preaching, uh, I'll work to get done as quick as possible because I know it's warm and it's warmer in there. But uh, the thing about an Easter egg, just a funny thing, and when a kid picks it up, what do do they assume? Assume there's there's something good in there, right? What if I were to tell you there's something really good in here? There's something really, really, really good in this particular egg. What would you think? I'm, I, I'm just wondering if there's somebody who would be brave enough to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. Oh, here we go, right here. Here we go. You shake my hand, Tommy? Do you believe there's something really good in there? Do you believe me? Here. You want to open that? Go ahead. Whoa! What is that? Go ahead and open it. Go ahead and, go ahead and, go ahead and show people what that is. Hold on. Go ahead and unfold it. They can't see it. You want to unfold that? Here, I'll hold this. If you want to unfold that. Let me hold that for you. Here you go. Oh, man, that's got a guy named President Jackson on it. That's a $20 bill, y'all. There you go. That's all yours. You can have it. Take your family to lunch. You can get a few burgers for that. <laughs> I love it. I love it that a kid, I love it that the kids are like, me, me, me. All the adults are like, I don't believe him. <laughs> He's up to something, Right? Like, why wouldn't you take an egg? What if, what if, what if there'd have been a million dollars in there? One million dollars. What if there'd have been a million dollar check in there that was good? Wouldn't that have been cool? And you opened it up like, for sure, I got to open that. Well, today, we open up the greatest gift. We remember this at Easter. We're all, we all know this. I, hey, believe me, I'm not going to say anything new today, probably that you've, that you've never heard before. You probably heard what I'm going to say, but can we acknowledge that what we're going to focus on, the resurrection of Jesus as we open that, and all that that means for us in the world, like that, we, we would have to open it, right? And so let's do that. That what we celebrate today is a transformative truth. When that, that angel said to those ladies who came to that tomb on the third day, like, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Has resonated for the past couple of thousand years. The tomb is empty. Reminds me of little Emily. She went to her mom and told her mom that, that her stomach hurt. And so I said, well, her mom said, maybe you should, uh, maybe, maybe it's because it's empty and you should put something into it. And so she did and she felt better. The next day, the pastor came over for dinner with them and, and he began to talk about what's going on. And he told them that his head hurt, which little Emily responded, that's because it's empty. Maybe you should put something in it. 
So as we focus on the empty tomb, here's been my prayer for today for all of us. That God would put something in us. That God would put something in us. When we think about the empty tomb, the reality and the truth that Jesus is alive. He defeated death. He is resurrected. That God would, and I don't even know what that means for you, that God would put something in us that we need this Easter Sunday. We've been, for the past couple of weeks, we've been in a sermon series we've called Sounds of Hope. And here's the premise, if you're new to us today, here's the premise, that, that there's something about music, music that resonates with us, something that jives with our heart and souls and minds. And, but when we put music to the truths of Scripture, the, these these, these ageless, timeless truths that are so transformative, when we bring those together, that strikes a chord within us that resonates like nothing else. So the sounds of hope. Let me give you the sound, the sound of hope for today. It is built on the reality of the empty tomb. It is built on this truth that has resonated, has struck a chord with the church for the past 2,000 years, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here is the sound of hope for today. God won. God won. There was a man born in 1725. Let me get my water. Can you throw me one of those waters? There you go. Man born in 1725, when he got to his early 20s, he became a, a sailor on a slave ship. This was a long time ago, y'all. But this particular man, he just became known as a very bad man, an evil man. No one wanted to be around this guy. He was arrogant. He was drunk all the time. He was hateful. And, and maybe, just maybe, you may, may have heard the term cuss like a sailor. It may have come from this man. He, he had that kind of mouth on him, so bad that, that he had a nickname. His name was the Great Blasphemer. He used God's name in vain so much. That was his nickname, the Great Blasphemer. The captain of that ship said of him that he created new words that exceeded the limits of verbal debauchery. A lot of us don't even know what debauchery is, but it's bad, y'all. That's really bad. His, his, his words were so bad and evil. He was so hated. One day he got drunk, he fell overboard. And what you would normally do for somebody that falls overboard, that you would throw a life preserver, preserver at them. There were people throwing harpoons at him. No one, no one, seriously, this really happened. No one liked this man. He got so arrogant and drunk one day, he made the captain mad, and the captain... Stripped him of his clothes and in front of 350 men, flogged him eight dozen times. How many times is that? 96 times, right? Hit him with the whip. 96, that's a lot. No one liked this man. To which this man responded with two things. He was going to murder that captain, one, and then he was going to kill himself. And at that same time, a storm came up on that ship. Really bad storm. And everybody was scared for their life. This was a bad storm. So bad. Everybody was scared for their life. And, and this man's good friend fell overboard, never to be seen again. So in the midst of this bad storm, this man cried out to the one 
that he had blasphemed every moment of his life. He cried out to God, Lord, have mercy on us all. And it's out of that prayer that, that, that they all, all of the men remaining, all except the one, lived through that storm. And this man began to think about, hey, wait a minute, maybe there's something to this God. Maybe there's something to this prayer thing. So he began to search for God in the scriptures, as we're going to do today. He began to search for God, and he found life in Jesus Christ. He put his faith in Jesus Christ, and he was forever changed. He wrote about that change in 1772. Like, this is like 1776. Remember that year? Four years before Declaration of Independence was signed. Four years before this man wrote a hymn that goes like this. His name was John Newton, by the way. It goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. He's pointing to that moment where he believed in Jesus. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear when? The hour, the hour I first believed. That's a man who knows Easter. That's a man who experienced the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. You might be here today, and you may be asking, what's the big deal? Why is the resurrection such a big deal to me? To which I would respond, I'm so glad you asked. This is why it's such a big deal. And this, this is why... Uh, We celebrate Easter every every year. It's a big deal when you go from knowing about the resurrection to experiencing the resurrection for yourself. Did you get that? This is why the resurrection is a big deal. It's not just something to know. The resurrection is something to experience. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1 today. This is Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. Paul, the apostle Paul wrote about two-thirds, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's writing to the church of Ephesus, and, and he is writing, I would consider much like John Newton was when he was writing Amazing Grace. He's writing these words in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8 that we're going to read today. He's writing it as a testimony of himself. As we follow, you're going to see the first couple of verses, you're going to see you... But then it's going to say, we and I, we, this we language, and then it's going to go back to you. So it's kind of a, a sandwich of truth where he's saying, this is true of you, but this is also true of me and what's true of me. And then it goes back to, to you. So he wants us all to hear this, but he wants us to know that this is spoken from the trenches. This is a testimony of a man who has encountered the resurrected Jesus. Now, as we read... Verses 1 to 7, I I would need you to know that our English versions, no matter which one you have, there's like from verses 1 to 8, you have multiple sentences. Well, Paul, when he writes this, he writes in extravagant run-on sentences, which he's known for. 
Paul was known as kind of the run-on sentence guy. But specifically on this one, verses 1 to 7 are all one sentence. That's a lot if you look at it. We're going to read it. Verses 1 to 7, all one sentence. And verses 7 to 10 is all one sentence. So, so the sense behind that is, is that Paul just couldn't get past what he had encountered when he encountered Jesus. He just couldn't get over what we are going to read. So let's read it. Verses 1 to 8 of Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rulers, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's the enemy, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He is the great tempter. Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time. You see the us? All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings or the lust of the flesh and following his desires and thoughts. Like we all have that sinful nature. We used to pursue that. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming days he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Why is this such a big deal? Well, it's Paul writing, one who had encountered himself, the resurrected Jesus, to the church, others who had encountered the resurrected Jesus. And here's what he's saying. Listen, as we look upon our lives and the change that Jesus has brought, don't we all look in amazement as we look at the grace of Jesus? I think you are here today. We are packed here today because I think we would, we would all have experienced the, the resurrected Jesus for ourselves. We would say, man, we are amazed. It is an amazing thing. I'd like to point you to three little short phrases in our verses that I think are really important as we think about like, how did we or how can we experience the resurrected Jesus today. The first thing is this, just three simple phrases. The first is this, we find in verse one, you were, you were. Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions. You were. If you are in Christ, is what he's saying, if you are in Christ, you are not what you were. But can we for a moment make up a word And can we for a moment stop and evaluate ourselves of our own were-ness? There's my new word for you. Where are you at in the were-ness scale? He's speaking to those who have encountered the risen Christ. This is something that you were. Before Christ, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So let's play a game. You like games? All right. I like games too. So here's the game. If you have ever lied, would you raise your hand? Leave it up. Everybody leave it up. Everybody, no matter the lobby, 
You better have your hand raised. Fellowship Hall, better have your hand raised. Now look around you. If there's anybody who doesn't have their hands raised, you tell them, liar, liar, pants on fire. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. We've all lied. You can put your hands down. We've all lied. Let's be honest today. We're in church. God knows. He knows all the time. I've lied, y'all. Now, don't raise your hand on this one. Seriously. In the first service, they're like, yeah, me. All right, how many of you have ever stolen anything? Okay, yeah. All right, I got some hand raises. Yeah, y'all are bold. Yes, I have stolen. I have. I've stolen things. How many of you have ever lusted? I know that's a word. It's a big word for you kids. That's what, that's what that means. Ask your parents what that means. <laughs> Jesus said, if you've lusted, you've committed adultery. If you don't know what that means, ask your parents. <laughs> ha! Woo. Aren't y'all glad y'all went to church today? So what does that make us? That makes us lying, thieving adulterers. Yeah, right on time. Ding, ding, Exactly. Exactly. You're like, some of you guys are new today. You're like, man, I, I thought I was coming to a good church. I got to find a more positive church. But this is so important that we acknowledge that we have all messed up and sinned. We, and that's what Paul's saying here. Paul's not pointing the finger saying just you. He's saying, I've got one in front and three back at me. We, we are all sinners, right? We, we, are, we are all, why does that matter? We need to understand that, that this, is, this is important, that guilt, which is the acknowledgement that we, are, that we are, have done wrong, guilt is the starting point to experience God's grace. Are you with me? Said in a different way, until you see yourself as a sinner, you'll never see the need for your Savior. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you'll never see your need for a Savior. You may say that, oh, Justin, I'm not that bad. Well, maybe if that's what we say, we're not quite ready for the grace of Jesus today. But if you're here and, and you're with me and you would say that I'm a sinner, that, that you are, <laughs> we could use lots of words, wretched, despicable, dirty, all those things. I don't even know. We could use lots of words, lots of words that we don't like. When we acknowledge that, we acknowledge that we are in desperate need of grace. But the cool thing, and this is why I, I focus on this today, the cool thing is that's exactly why Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus said it himself. Who did Jesus come for? He came not for the holy. He came for the sinners. So when we acknowledge that we are, we connect the dots. This is why he came. We are exactly why he came. Romans 6, Paul says to the church of Rome, for the wages of sin is death. Complete separation from God for eternity. That's heavy and weighty. But it doesn't stop there. 
it uses the same language. That's my second point in verses 4 and following, Ephesians chapter 2. It's the same phrasing. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So for the wage of sin is death. We acknowledge that we've fallen short. We have sinned. We've messed up. Listen, we all have, including all of mankind. We all have. But the gift. Hold on, where'd my egg go? I gave you the egg. (laughs) The gift of God. Listen, y'all. It's extended to us. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus. You see, you were, that's what Paul says, you were. The second thing is, but God. Look what it says in verse 4. But because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, what does it say? Made us alive. So we can focus on the deadness but miss the aliveness. He has made us alive. This is why Easter matters. He has made us alive. Alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. You see how cool and powerful and amazing what we're talking about is. We were, but in the midst of our awareness, God intervened. God came and God won. I believe there are some people in the room and in that room and in that room and those who will join us online. I really believe there's a lot of people who are hungry. You may not even know it. You are desperate for a but God moment today. I remember my but God moment in November of 1988 when I was dead in my transgressions and I was resurrected in Christ. Because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I went in that moment from death to life. Some of us in the room, some of us here today are hungry for a but God moment. We are searching and confused. We are hurting and empty. We are addicted and in bondage. And and today we encounter the risen Christ who brings freedom, who brings wholeness, who brings the answers that we search for. Can you remember who wrote this? Ephesians chapter 2, this book is written by Paul. So if we were to sit with Paul today, if Paul was here next to me, can you think about the testimony he would be giving? Because this is really Paul's testimony. Who was Paul? Paul was a Jew, and he made it his mission to kill as many followers of Jesus as he could. Do you remember? His name wasn't Paul. His name was Saul, right? That was his name. And he was good at it. He was good at what he did, and, and he was doing what he had given his life to do. He was killing. He was a murderer, and so if he were here, you kind of see that the context, just like we're putting the, that song in context. As we put scripture in context, can you realize how he can't just get past the grace of Jesus Christ? He would sit with us and say, look, I made it my mission If we look at Acts chapter 9, we see that I was breathing utterances all the time of murdering Christians. He had made a journey to Jerusalem to see the high priest to get the next list of names where he could go to Damascus and take out more Christians. And as he went on the way, he had his but God moment. And so if he he was here, he would tell you, I was the most wretched of wretched people. I was the sinner of sinners. I was murdering people on a daily basis, torturing them, stoning them with a slow death. And he would say, in the midst of that, 
This is who I was, but God. The light came down on that road to Damascus. And there's a voice from the heavens that said, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he knew enough about the truth of God to say, who are you? But he said, oh, Lord. He knew that this was God talking to him. And it says that it was Jesus. This was the resurrected Jesus talking to Saul. And he was blinded for days. And God gave him a divine encounter with this man named Ananias. And when he met Ananias, the, the scales fell off his eyes and he could see. And Ananias told him, it's like, hey, God is going to do great things through you. And you are going to go and proclaim the resurrected Jesus, the one that you've been trying to to kill his followers for all of your mission of life. And so he would tell us today, I was, but God, but God. I was called to go and declare the resurrection power of a man that I hated and I persecuted his followers, but God, because of his great love for us who is rich in mercy, he made me alive in Christ, even when I was dead in transgressions. You see, you were but God. But God. That's resurrection language. As you think about the rest of those verses, a couple of times he says it made us alive, that we were dead and we were raised. It made us alive with Christ. Verse 6 says, and God raised us up with Christ. You see, Paul uses this resurrection language. Well, why does that matter? Well, here's why it matters. Because Jesus is truly resurrected, we can be truly resurrected. Because Jesus was completely resurrected, we can be completely resurrected resurrected. You were but God. And why? And how? Well, that's the third thing we find in verse 8, by grace. And by grace alone. So if you're here today and Paul resonates with you, you're here like, man, I just don't deserve anything that God would give. I mean, I look at my life. I'm not the dad I should be. I'm not the husband I should be. I'm not the friend I should be. I'm not the son. I'm not the daughter. I'm not the worker. Whatever. And you're here today. It's like, I, I... I just don't, I don't, I'm just not that person. I'm, I'm, I'm just, don't deserve it. Well, the good news of Easter is that it was never based on our goodness. It was based on his goodness and his goodness alone, the grace of Jesus Christ. That is what John Newton was writing in his poem. The same thing that happened to John Newton when he experienced the, the resurrected Jesus, he experienced resurrection in his own life that caused him to write amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The same resurrection power that encountered Saul on that road to Damascus, the same resurrection power that, that I found in November of 1988 in Onalaska, Texas, next to a really, really old rocking chair, The same one, you could put yours in there too. When you met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, you went from death to life, from no hope to all the hope that the world could ever hope for and imagine. That's why John Newton wrote, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour, the moment.'" I first 
believed. He goes on to write what that means for us, what that leads to in our life. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, his word, my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Love that. Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God, who called me here below, will be forever mine. And then there's that that last verse that, that you most likely sung before, and I believe if you are in Christ, it resonates deeply with you. We, when we've been there 10,000 years, on the other side, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. You hear John Newton saying, you hear what he's saying? He just can't get past the amazing grace of God. He just can't get past it. Paul just can't get past the amazing grace of God. And if you are here today, and you shouted those songs, and these words of Paul, these words of John Newton resonate deeply with you, it's true of you too. And Easter means something different for you. It hits different for you. It resonates. The amazing grace of Jesus Christ brings us to life. We are made alive in Christ. As the band comes up, we're going to have a closing moment. I want to say this to you today. The resurrection is not a conclusion. The resurrection is an invitation. The resurrection is not a conclusion. We need to stop there. It's an invitation. For those of us who are in Christ today, it's an invitation for us to respond with praise and joy. But I, I do have to believe there's many in the room, in the lobby, in the fellowship hall, around the world that watch this online. There's many who have never gone from death to life because of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, man, you're in the right place. I believe that God brought you here today. If that's you, and you even question that, as you think about your worriness, like maybe I'm still in my sin. And if you are, Jesus is saying to you, would you believe in me? Would you realize that I paid for those sins completely? And would you realize because of my goodness, you can accept the gift You can accept the most valuable gift ever given. Would you accept salvation? Would you accept freedom? Would you accept eternal life? Would you all bow your heads? If that's you today, I don't don't know who that is. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to make you stand up, walk, or anything. This is really, as I think about Easter, I think it's so important that we realize That the truth of Easter is for all of us. Resurrection power is for all of us. Eternal life is extended to all of us. And if you would like to experience the resurrected Jesus, we do that through a prayer. Through one prayer, through one moment, one Savior can change everything. So if that's you and you would like to put your faith in Jesus, would you just, in your heart of hearts, would you be honest with Jesus? He's listening. Would you tell him, Jesus, I know I've messed up. 
I believe right now in this moment that you paid for my sins on the cross. Would you come right now and forgive me of my sins? I trust you. I need you. And I believe in you. And I'm going to follow you all the rest of the days of my life. Thank you for resurrecting me from death to life in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All all heads bowed. I don't want anybody looking around. Thank you.